Welcome back to Liberty Audible. This is episode number three. I am still Jeffrey Swan, and today we're going to cover uh, another article from the Foundation for Economic Education, that is fee.org. Entrepreneurship is skyrocketing during the pandemic. The pandemic offers a moment ripe for creative destruction. This was published on Friday, October 2nd of 2020. And it was written by Carrie McDonald. The pandemic and related government lockdowns have caused widespread economic and social disruption over the past several months. There is much to despair about, as tens of thousands of small businesses have permanently closed and rates of depression and suicide rise. Yet, there are signs of hope. Uncertainty and fear might stop many of us from taking risks or thinking imaginatively during this tumultuous time, but recent data show that entrepreneurship is surging during the pandemic. Seizing new opportunities and spotting unfulfilled needs, entrepreneurs may help to lift our economy from its sickly slump. According to the Wall Street Journal analysis this week, Americans are starting new businesses at the fastest rate in more than a decade. These startups don't outpace the number of companies closing this year due to the pandemic, but they do suggest that entrepreneurial individuals are launching new enterprises to satisfy changing demands. According to government data, there have been 3.2 million applications for employer identification numbers, EIN, this year. Required to start a U.S. company, EIN applications reached only 2.7 million at this same time last year. The journal cites additional data to confirm an increase in entrepreneurship beginning in June as some individuals turned layoffs or reduced work hours into opportunities to build a business. While startups are always precarious and many small businesses fail, these new ventures can be catalysts for sustained economic growth. According to the journal, even though new businesses inevitably start small, they are a critical engine of job creation. Startups have historically accounted for around one-fifth of new jobs. Pandemic-Induced Creative Destruction the pandemic offers a moment ripe for creative destruction. The term used by economist Joseph Schumpeter in his 1942 book, Capitalism, Socialism, and Democracy, to describe the dynamic process of new business models and enterprises replacing legacy organizations and industries. He explained that capitalism is the perennial gale of creative destruction, fueled by entrepreneurship and innovation. Schumpeter writes, the opening up of new markets, foreign or domestic, and the organizational development from the craft shop to such concerns as U.S. Steel illustrated the same process of industrial mutation, if I may use that biological term, that incessantly revolutionizes economic structure from within, incessantly destroying the old one, incessantly creating a new one. This process of creative destruction is the essential fact about capitalism. Especially in times of social upheaval like today, People's needs change. As a result, solutions that worked before become outmoded. Innovation upends these old ways of doing things and offers fresh ideas and solutions that are better suited to people's current needs and preferences. It is triggered by entrepreneurs who are dissatisfied with the status quo, imagine alternatives, and successfully introduce their vision into the marketplace. The economic and social turbulence resulting from the pandemic lockdowns provides countless opportunities to meet new and changing consumer demands. 
Perhaps nowhere is this turbulence more apparent than in education. Many students started this school year with remote learning only, as district schools, especially in urban areas, remain indefinitely closed for full-time in-person instruction. Michael Strong, a longtime educator, author, and successful entrepreneur, quickly recognized that parents are dissatisfied with their children's remote district schooling and want a high-quality, affordable alternative. There is such immense demand, he told me. Once parents get regular school piped into their homes, they see that school isn't always a great fit. They take on significantly more ownership of their child's education and look for more options. Strong recently launched Expanse, a virtual school that provides high-touch, project-based, live remote learning to middle schoolers throughout the U.S. The whole world of EdTech is one-dimensional, with teachers mostly lecturing to students. Our value proposition is rich human interactive experiences that students find engaging, says Strong. With Expanse, students aged approximately 10 to 14 participate together in full-day live remote learning led by a variety of expert educators and in partnership with top-rated organizations such as Quantum Camp and Nobel Explorers. A typical school day begins with community discussion and goal-setting, followed by a Socratic reading and writing seminar. Midday is focused on math and science, while the end of the day emphasizes personalized, one-on-one -on -one mentoring and self-directed student projects. With an annual tuition cost of $8,000 and scholarship possibilities, Expanse is more affordable than many other private education options. Strong intends to reduce the price tag even further through growth and scalability. He believes that the education market is brimming with opportunities for aspiring entrepreneurs as parents seek new and better learning options for their kids. Strong also thinks education won't return to the classroom status quo even after the pandemic ends. I think even if everyone goes to school in January, we would still have a significant portion of parents considering other options. The old system of schooling was fragile, relying on tradition and a legacy orientation. We'll see much more diversity in education models and a greater realization that the standard path is not required. We now have countless examples of families who have eschewed standard education, and they have found happiness and success. The Art of the Pivot The creative destruction now occurring in the education sector is poised to dramatically reshape American education, with new, more accessible, more relevant learning models replacing the conventional classroom that was already being challenged pre-pandemic. In Washington, D.C., Luba Vangelova was planning to open The Hub this fall, as an in-person, self-directed community learning space for homeschoolers and others who wanted a more flexible education approach. When the pandemic hit, she had to pivot to an online format and temporarily table her in-person plans, but she remains hopeful. As one parent recently told her, you've created digital joy, which is very hard to find. With Gallup reporting a doubling in the rate of independent homeschooling this year, New organizations like The Hub should continue to attract parents looking for educational support and resources. According to Vangelova, this is a year of great flux in the world, with a lot of social, political, and economic transformations that are only just gaining steam. And although it's been challenging on many fronts to pivot and adapt, I feel good about the fact that The Hub has been able to offer something valuable that is of the moment, while also modeling a healthy culture and vision for learning and living in the future. 2020 has been a challenging year, with hardship and loss. There is much to lament, but millions of American entrepreneurs are showing us how to get through this difficult time with creativity, 
initiative, and grit. They are spotting opportunities and unmet needs, pivoting and adapting and breaking down old ways of doing things to pioneer new models that will lead to more progress and prosperity for us all. It's a great time to be an entrepreneur. And I pretty much think it's always a great time to be an entrepreneur. I think entrepreneurship is basically the solution to all of our problems. Um, if you look at when when societies collapse, it's it's always under ever-increasing burdens uh, placed on them by governments. And the collapse comes because entrepreneurship is basically destroyed. The government has nothing and can't exist without lots of creative and productive entrepreneurs to steal stuff from. Uh, societies prosper when there is very little or no government and nothing to get in the way of entrepreneurs producing and trading with one another. In, say, the Soviet Union or Venezuela or any, any of these places that have struggled or are struggling, it's always black and gray market entrepreneurship that saves people from just total death and destruction. It's, it's the entrepreneurial efforts to get around capital controls, to, to skirt regulations, and to just generally defund the government and the parasitic politicians that are destroying everything. So really, with the U.S. and the precarious economic situation that it's in, part of the answer is not only entrepreneurship, but preferably entrepreneurship that's happening under the table. So the people that are producing and trading with one another aren't at the same time funding their destruction and their oppressors. I mean, this is like the ultimate form of civil disobedience, right? Like entrepreneurship is the, the process of being productive and creative and beneficial to your community and trading and cooperating with the people around you, right? Like there's nothing more civilized and there's nothing better you can do as a member of society than to be an entrepreneur, somebody that produces things that other people want and things that other people need and then trades with them. So it is really kind of crazy to me that we live in a world where people talk about the evils of profit and saving. I mean, you've probably heard people refer to saving as hoarding money, right? Like, I mean, the, the evils of hoarding money. But this is literally the foundation of all of civilization. There is no society or civilization or human advancement without savings. And all of savings requires profit. If every time you did something or every time you traded, you ended up with less than when you started, there'd be no profit, but there would also be nothing to save. And you can see how quickly you just run out of the ability to trade or do anything. You know, the lack of profit produces a death spiral. Everything requires savings. You can't build a house until you or someone else has cut down the trees or produced the bricks necessary to do so. That pile of lumber or stack of bricks is the real wealth and real savings. If you traded some of your dollars for those materials, then you probably earn those dollars trading your time and energy and knowledge, which are real forms of wealth, for the dollars, which are basically just placeholders. They're used to account for the wealth that you've created. They are proxy tokens for real things that solve real problems, like the bricks and the labor needed to build you shelter. 
there is literally no higher moral good than to produce things that other people want and need and trade with other people. And you could say, well, well, what about charity? What about producing things and just giving them away? Well, okay, there are certainly good things done in, in a charitable fashion. But I don't know that that's the highest moral good. I think that the sustainability of a thing has to be accounted for. I mean, you cannot just produce things and give them away forever. And on another level, just giving people stuff all the time doesn't do anything for those people. I mean, it makes those people dependent. It, it actually, you know, it could be potentially ruinous for those people um, in terms of their ability to be efficacious in the world without you. And a dramatic sort of dependence on another person is a, in the long run, is a potentially a major vulnerability that leads to all sorts of tyranny and oppression, right? Like, like if the cost of ending your dependence on someone is a barrier, a, a learning and, and production barrier that you can't overcome, then you could essentially be made a slave. But the point is, sustainability is a factor. And when you're trading with someone, when you're producing things that other people want and need, and you're trading with others that are doing the same, everybody benefits at every level of analysis, right? Like you are, you're getting better by figuring out how to produce things in a continuously more efficient and better fashion. And they're doing the same. And then you're bettering each other by exchanging things that the other one can't produce, or at least not as efficiently as can be done by their trade partner. In a way, you might be dependent on each other, but it's a mutual dependence and not, there's not a great disparity that's likely to lead to something more oppressive. Trading is the act of cooperating, right? Like, it makes human interaction peaceful and harmonious. Like, if you each have something the other one needs, and you can trade for it, then a lot of other concerns just kind of go out the window. It doesn't really matter which god that person prays to or which sports team they like if they can do something that really dramatically improves your life. Mutually beneficial exchange makes people more likely to want to accept each other and understand each other and to learn from one another. This is like the foundation of peace and civilization and all of this, like entrepreneurship truly is, it's the path to prosperity. It's the, it's the path to human salvation. You know, that may sound a little over the top, but I actually think that's fairly accurate. And if trade and entrepreneurship are really going to save the world, then they also probably need to educate people in the process. So it's really cool that a lot of the entrepreneurship that seems to be happening is related to education. The entire purpose of this podcast and, and of my brother's podcast, Bitcoin Audible, is to help educate people. And just the total number of podcasts has exploded in the last few years. The fact that things are moving in this direction, I think, is a really good thing. Imagine being able to learn while you do other productive things. What a crazy idea that is. But really, if you could have a job doing some menial task and, and get paid for that, while you're listening to someone and learning the knowledge and concepts necessary to do something more advanced in the future, 
or more complicated, something that commands more value, then how much more efficient is that than just sitting in some SJW professor's classroom? You could literally be earning money while you are listening to someone who is potentially more knowledgeable than anyone else in the world on a particular subject instead of paying tens of thousands of dollars to sit in a lecture hall and listen to some professor that's, you know, maybe knows what he's talking about. And this is basically what I've been doing for the last 10 or 15 years. I've, I've done a whole lot of odd jobs. I've painted people's houses and done finished carpentry work and laid tile and fixed people's cars and fixed their computers. And, and during a lot of that, and in my drives to and from places, I just listen to audiobooks or seminars or podcasts once they became a thing. So I have absolutely consumed tens of thousands of hours worth of material on economics and money and business success and just general self-help stuff. You know, the, the sort of ideas or the mindset you need to succeed and get ahead in life. And a lot of people actually really underestimate that stuff. You, if you don't believe that you can be successful or if you, if you somehow resent people that have something you want... It really makes it harder for you to achieve these things. But that's definitely a topic for like a whole nother episode. So I don't mean to like crap on Expanse or anything mentioned in the article. But at the same time, it seems to me like $8,000 a year is a bit steep when there's stuff like the Ron Paul homeschool curriculum out there for, I believe it's less than $500 a year. And... You know, I'm a member of Liberty Classroom, a lifetime member of that. And that was, I can't remember exactly, only a few hundred dollars. And you can also go on YouTube and find like an infinite number of videos teaching you how to complete some project, uh, you know, some sort of science demonstration or experiment. There are a ton of videos teaching you how to fix or build things. And it's all free. Like, all of that can be had for zero dollars. It's just your time and an internet connection. And as somebody who majored in economics, I can tell you for certain that you can get a much better education online for free using YouTube videos and Mises.org and Fee.org. Maybe throw in a $15 subscription to Audible. And hopefully one day there'll be enough episodes of this podcast for the archives to count as a valuable learning resource. But I am absolutely certain that today, the education you can get from these types of resources is better than anything you can pay for at your your local overpriced young adults country club with a football team. And beyond that, I don't understand why there's not more apprenticeships in the world. I mean, it seems just kind of ridiculous that we have separated education from any sort of real-world productive process. Why, why can't people who are learning be contributing to something that actually produces value and some sort of benefit for the other people around them? And with the Ron Paul homeschool curriculum, even though it's not, you know, it's not an apprenticeship there, 
they do teach you how to build radios and do some things like that. They have their hands-on projects, but they're teaching your kids how to write good ad copy, how to build a website, how to do things that make that, that are relevant to today's world and that make your kids able to, you know, run a business or they could be building their own presence online just directly from what they're learning in this homeschool course. I'm a huge supporter of of the Ron Paul homeschool curriculum and of Liberty Classroom. Like I said, I have a lifetime membership there. And so if you want to support this show, well then, I actually have no way for you to do that. At some point in the very distant future, there will probably be some affiliate links to the Ron Paul homeschool curriculum and for the Liberty Classroom on the website, libertyaudible.com. Right now, you can go there, and it's probably just nothing. It, it's probably broken or whatever, but libertyaudible.com, you can go and look, and then troll me if it's still nothing. Send me a message on Twitter and tell me how much money I'm losing because you really want to sign up for one of these things. And I may have a place for you to put your email in if you want, in the event that any of my uh, social media accounts are censored or whatever in this crazy world we live in. Um, if you drop in, drop me an email, I will probably not ever send you anything. But if the whole idea that I might send you something seems kind of appealing, then I might have a place for you to leave me your contact info. There is probably not ever going to be much else there because I don't even like websites. And that's really not true. But that is what it feels like whenever I think about having to build one. So I probably need the Ron Paul homeschool curriculum myself. But until I'm making enough money to pay somebody to do that, it's just going to be crap. But Liberty Classroom and Ron Paul homeschool curriculum are worth checking out anyway. And even if you've got you know a homeschool curriculum that you like, I don't think it's a bad thing to to have something else to draw from. And I think one of the coolest things is that the history there is taught through a lens of technological development rather than through the lens of whoever was the top political puppet at any given time. And that, to me, is hugely valuable because I think it is actually the market and technology that drives things forward. And the person sitting on the throne or holding the scepter and pretending to lead the parade of societal progress is just generally not that important. I mean, maybe it's not totally irrelevant, but it's certainly not as relevant as most of them would probably like for you to think that it is. So the schooling that we've all gotten is just totally messed up. And I think the Ron Paul homeschool curriculum probably does a good job of fixing some of that. Like I said, it's a good thing to check out. So thank you guys for listening. That's going to be all for me today. If you will, like and subscribe and share the show. Follow me on Twitter, Agris View and Liberty Audible. I got a lot of things planned, and I will definitely do my best to get this next episode out a little faster than I did this time. Thank you guys so much for hanging with me. All right.